Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 164. Welcome back, everyone. I am so glad you're here this week. This week is a solo cast, which means it's a show that I'm doing on my own. And I'm going to be talking all about developing a project management mindset. And I'm really looking at how this can apply to your world as an entrepreneur or small business owner and how you can take the principles of project management and apply them to your business and why it might be a great thing to do for you to get things done. As you know, if you've been listening, Jumpstart Your Joy, for season four, we're looking at the inspiration, intention, and action that is involved with bringing more joy to your life and to the world. And one of the ways that I can really see this coming into play is that once you have the inspiration to do something in your business or your life, then you set your intention to do that thing, and then you bring it into action or into reality. And as someone who has been a project manager for 20 years in marketing and who has life coach certificate, I find in working with lots of people, both big businesses and little businesses and tiny businesses, that it's often really hard to get yourself into that space where you can make the jump from being creative into bringing some of those creative ideas into reality for yourself. And so that's what we're going to look at this week. If you are new, first of all, welcome. I am so excited you are here. And also a big warm welcome to all of you who come back each week. It's exciting to have you guys on board. A couple of things. If you want to find out more about the show, of course, you can go to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And I do show notes, which will give you a little bit more information and some links that I'll reference uh, for this specific show at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash project. <laughs> um, and you can find everything right there. If you would like to subscribe to the show, you can find Jumpstart Your Joy on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, and Google Podcasts, along with basically anywhere else that you can find shows, including Spotify and coming up soon, radio.com. Also, if you guys have been listening for a little while, last week I announced that I had set up a Patreon account for the show, which means you could help support the show with a $5 a month sponsorship. Of course, the show is always free, as are all podcasts on Apple. And so what your very gracious support would do is help pay for some of the hosting and the editor that uh, edits these files. It helps get some to you each and every week. So if you head to the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com, you'll see a button for Patreon. And the first five people who sign up for just five bucks a month, I'm going to send you a special prize. And it will be likely a book um, that has been highlighted here on the show, and then a couple of other little special thank yous, depending on who you are and what your interests are. So let's jump right into this project management mindset. 
Today, we're going to talk about the mindset of being a project manager, how you can apply this to your business or your creative endeavor. I say business or entrepreneurship. I could mean anything. You guys have a wide array of different things that you do every day, and I bet some of them are blogging, and maybe you're a photographer, or maybe you're a pet sitter. All of these are creative endeavors. You know, you're putting yourself out there in a new way every time, and it's vulnerable, and it's exciting, and you're creating things. So I think those are all, those all count, even if it isn't a full-time business. And so then the next thing we'll talk about is the basics of project management, because it is a skill set. If it's something you're not familiar with, I'm totally happy to open the book of 20 years of experience and share with you some of those tips and tricks. Let's look at what makes a project a project. This might seem so basic and simple and obvious to you guys, but let's go there. So based on the Project Management Institute, I know, big snore, let's not fall asleep together. A project is something that you, you know, you it's an endeavor that is finite. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It has a defined scope. So that's the thing that you're going to do or take care of or build or whatever. And it has a timeline and a budget. And it has people, and you might be the one that approves it, but it has that. And it's really based on the triangle of resources, time, and money. So there you go. The thing is that projects, which really, I mean, were formalized by the government, oftentimes as construction or other kinds of buildings, physical buildings, is that they were put together. The idea of a project itself is a sprint of things that's focused on getting things done, right? And it was a good way to make sure that there's checks and balances, that things are on schedule and they're getting done on time. And it's kind of uh, cut and dry. Then again, you may have some favorite project managers that you know of. HGTV has a ton of great examples along with, is it Ty from um, Extreme Home Makeover? Like he's a great example of a super in-your-face excited project manager, but like it's really out there front and center. Now, truly a project manager might be like that. I'm an outgoing extrovert, so you might see people like that. But project managers also could be quiet introverts. And the thing about projects is that, like I said, they are just a simple beginning, middle, end. The thing that's different about a project from your business, they are not the same, right? Is that your business, whatever it is that you do, is it runs differently than a project. It's ongoing. It's not finite. It's going to evolve over time. And that's kind of what makes a business special. It also may have parts about it that aren't specific to an individual audience. You might be doing some of it for fun or exploration. Like there's different arms of a, of a business that don't involve, that are not ever a part of a project. And businesses are often in a maintenance stage, meaning you keep doing the same thing again and again and again. And that's not projectized because you already know, you know, I, I post my Instagram thing on Monday or whatever. Like that's not, I mean, it could be projectized, but it's ongoing maintenance is usually the difference. So I think the exciting thing to talk about, especially for businesses, is that you're often in a constant phase of evolution and growth. And while a project could help you get to that growth, projects are often very determined, preset, and they're going to get you to a certain place. But then they don't, that preset scope doesn't change over time. So we will get to that. So mindset. The the interesting thing to me about project management is that you could lift the mindset of doing a project into your everyday business. Because 
Project management can also define a way that you approach your work from a day-to-day perspective. Taking on the mindset of a project manager could help you in the following ways. If you're a coach like me, you'll love this word. It sets a container for the work that's to be done, meaning you've got a scope and scope is the definition of the thing that you're going to build or accomplish with your project. So you set a container for the work to be done. Project also sets up a time limit and a scope limit for what it is that you're doing. And I bring these two things up because I know lots of times in an entrepreneurial pursuit, you kind of find yourself, or at least I have, digging deep into the weeds. And then an hour and a half later, I'm like, why was I spending all that time on Pinterest, right? And I'm not really sure where the time went. But if you focus and use kind of the project manager tool set, you could say, you know what, I'm going to set a I'm going to set this container and you don't even have to be doing a project, but you could take this as inspiration that I'm just going to sit down and bang out five images for Instagram in Canva today right now, and then I'm going to be done. And you don't let yourself go any further because what happens when we just sit there and do 40 or 50 or whatever of those images? It's one o'clock in the morning. We're watching Beverly Hills 90210 and we are exhausted and not going to bed. (laughs) So you could set set the container for the work to be done. Or you could do a scope limit. I'm going to write for, you know, I'm going to, I guess this is very similar in some ways, but I'm going to write a chapter or I'm going to research until I found the answer for this one question, set the container and get the work done in that amount of time. The other thing that a project management mindset is that it could, it helps you to establish what I'm just talking about, which is a limitation for working on your business. But like that thing that you're building the business, you're, you're making it grow, You could spend a lot of time in that and you could take an entire day setting up a brand new, you know, email subscription link and and then where is your day gone? But this, if you use this idea of setting a container, this is what I'm going to do. This is the amount of time I'm going to take and this is who it's for. My last point here is that it calls perfectionism to the mat, which is so amazing. How many times have you been in the midst of creating something new for your business And then the little voice inside your head says, but what if it did this? Let's add that. And then, oh, I've seen this thing. You know, there's a countdown thing. I could figure out how to put that into my email. And then, ooh, what if I figured out how to put a video in the email too? Okay. (laughs) All great ideas. (laughs) Write them down. Don't, you know, don't lose sight of them. But when you're on deadline to hit send out to all of your subscribers because you're launching an e-course, don't don't go into that deep dive. Like if you've set the container, all I'm doing tonight, I'm sending out this message, I'm setting it out with a link. It's got one image I've already created, done and done. The perfectionism and that urge to make it bigger and bigger and bigger and better gets cut off and then you can get the thing done. It's the whole imperfect and done, <laughs> right? I love that saying. That's from my friend, Michelle Ward. So imperfect and done. And why is this so hard for so many of us? Well, doing this and setting a limitation for the thing that we're going to do is hard because it's hard to be fierce and focused, which is the way I like to see project management, is because of fear and worry and frankly, comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy. Because we often look around and we see somebody, you know, someone that's six or seven years ahead of us. And of course, they already have an established Instagram following and they already have all sorts of things in place. And we are saying, why can't I be there? Well, for one, we're six or seven years behind them. And two, that's not who we are. That might not be our message. That might not be our following. That might not even be our calling. So 
it's hard to do. It's hard to set those those guideposts and that that container for the thing that you're going to do because we get worried about wanting to be right and perfect. We see this other person doing so well in their realm, and maybe it's in a realm that you know you're in as well. And there's a photographer that you really look up to, or there's a coach you really look up to and admire. In my case, you know, there's a podcaster. There's always a podcaster that's got more downloads or that's higher on the on the iTunes chart. And I would love to be in that place. Um, and it's hard for my human brain to be like, oh, they're so great. And I want to be right and I want to be perfect just like them. But at the core, here comes a good one that I really love to talk about, is this question of what are we trying to birth or bring into being, uh, if you don't like the word birth, but with our business? What do you, why did you go into this business? What is this thing that you're trying to bring into the world? And I think if we dig deep enough, the answer is that it's something our soul is calling us to do. It's something that has a way deeper pull, right? If you sit there and you close your eyes for a second and you just say, you know, I'm a photographer. But if I, if I added the depth to this job description of being photographer, what is it? I bet it's something around. I, I capture the special moments of people and the connectedness of their family. Or as a project manager, I, I help people find ways to bring their amazing ideas to life. That's pretty cool. Way more than a project manager. So if you can think of that, that kind of soulful, mm, I like that sense of soulful job description. What is it? It's something I'm betting the reason you're in this is because you wanted to bring something bigger to life. And in some ways, this hit me just yesterday, driving in, I do have a nine to five. So I, as a project manager, of course, I was driving into work and I somehow was thinking about this, this talk and the song by the Indigo Girls, Galileo, I'm going a little old school, hit me. And I think the thing that each of us is trying to answer is how long till my soul gets it right? Yeah. I don't know. Does that resonate with you guys? I would love to hear. Because that's the big, scary, vulnerable stuff. And that's what I wanted to point out here is that, yeah, it might just seem like just a business or it might seem like we're just doing a project that will further the business. But the, the truth of the matter is that thing that you're doing, there's vulnerability on the line. If you're digging deep and following what your soul is wanting to do on this planet, it's it's amazing and it's vulnerable. And I think the next line of that song is also the dead on answer. It's has any human being ever reached that kind of light Ah, right? So there's a lot of pressure on the line. <laughs> That's really what we're trying to do. We want to bring this soul, birth the soul thing in. And and so I think if we can take the pressure off, that kind of unwielding and overwhelming pressure of like, hey, we can break this down into some simple steps. What does that do for us? If we can take off the weight of like, oh my gosh, soul, you know, this is soul work and nobody's ever done this before and blah, blah, blah you know, all that. Take that off your shoulders. What comes? Just drop that off to the side right now. Ease, right? Confidence. You can do it. And it takes the weightiness off of it. Because I think at the heart of it, what do we all want? We want joy. So if you can let go of that overwhelming sense and acknowledge that it's there if it's there for you. Because if it is, just say, you know what? Yeah, that is my soul speaking. But you know what? We're going to have fun with this. And that's how I like to approach a good project. What I want you to do, if you can... How about you ask your soul, hey, what do you want? In this great business that I've got, what is it that I want to do next? What's next for me? And you might hear just one word, write that down. You might hear two words, you might hear a sentence. 
I want to reach more people. I want to dig deeper. I want to answer more questions. I want more truth. Who knows what it is? Write that down. I don't really need a journal like a post-it's great here. Now, once you have that, we're going to start taking the baby steps. Baby steps equal projects to make it happen. So let's talk about projects. For me, I am most well-versed in doing project management from a waterfall perspective, which means you, you do several steps in order and you don't move on to the next step until the previous step is finished, approved, and, you know, in the bag and done. What I'm going to explain here, we're moving into the second part of this, is how can we get there if, if you're embarking on a project and you need some tips and how do you get this thing done? That's what we're going to get into. And specifically, how do you right-size the effort for the thing that you're trying to achieve? It might be a really big goal that you have, but the really important thing here is to make this in achievable sizes so that you can get this thing done. You might have the dream of, I love the kind of the idea of Martha Stewart. She's big, right? And even her her company is Omnimedia. It's huge. So you might have the dream of being that big someday. Or the thing I want to point out to you is Martha started small. She started somewhere. Everybody, even Marie Forleo, all of them started small, started in these little packets. And so if we right-size the effort for right now and make it something that you can achieve right now with where you are and make an impact right now, that's important. Other thing to really notice before you start on a project is that if it's just you embarking on it, think about that and the impact that it'll have on your time and schedule before you do it. I also lead a podcasting boot camp, which runs for eight to nine weeks. People go from an idea to a show. We had a bunch of shows launch, which is exciting. But it's really taking into account how do you want this thing to be and act in your life and what is it going to take to get it done? So right-sizing the effort. Also make it something that you can sustain. Back to the example of Martha Stewart, if you want something really big and you want beautiful glossy photos or whatever for every single you know blog post you put up, Think about the effort that that's going to take. Do you, can you sustain it? Even though you could lay it out and kind of design it in your head and understand what it looks like, can you sustain getting that kind of imagery each week? Or is there a better way to do it so that it fits into the lifestyle that you have and the, and the life that you want to lead? So let's get into project management. Step one, I could go all new kids on you, but I'm not going to. It's define. Then design, develop, and deploy. Those are the four steps we'll talk about, and I'll walk through each of them. So define before you embark on anything. Let's say you know what it is that you want to do. Maybe your soul just told you what that thing is. Define it. So I want to reach more people. I want to connect with more people. So define what that means to you. Does it mean I want to implement a new, maybe it's a new email system. Maybe it is you want to start to do, get that down into a nugget that you can get your head around. You you don't want it to be too big and lofty, right? What we're going for is the first step, and that could be launching a website. It could be upgrading your email stuff. But the idea of the define area is that you're going to measure twice and cut once. Whatever it is that you do, you're going to, you're really going to think it out and lay it out because if you do the proverbial measure twice, cut once, then the end result will be something that you already know is going to work, or you're going to be closer to knowing it's going to work because you took the time out to plan. I'm going to tell you a story. You guys can relate to this one. But back when I was, I don't know, a teenager, I've been probably into my 20s in college as well, there is a big music store in San Francisco in the Haight area called Amoeba. 
And it is amazing. Like, this is before there's iTunes. So, so make sure you got that kind of in your head. And, you know, and I'd walk in there. It'd be a trip in with my family. I'd walk in there. And I, w- I would always be so excited going in because it mean I'd be able to get the CDs, right? Because you couldn't just download these off the internet. There was, you know, no Napster even back in the day. But I'd walk in there and it would just be aisles and aisles and aisles and rows of CDs. And here's the thing. If I went in there with a list of the CDs that I knew I wanted, I would walk out with, if they had them, that list of CDs. If I walked in there without a list... <laughs> I would just wander those aisles, get lost in seeing and like perusing everything in there. And I would come out more often than not with either no music, which was kind of a bummer because it was such an awesome place, or with some music that maybe wasn't exactly what I wanted. And, you know, it was kind of album, if you're familiar with these, that was like, there's one good song on this album, but I didn't really want all of it. But the point being is when I made a plan, for going into Amoeba Music, I would come out with the thing that I wanted. And if I went in without a plan, I would come out <laughs> with who knows what. And that, that in a little nutshell, is exactly what happens with projects. If you plan, if you create your list, if you know what you're doing, you will create something similar to what you've set out to do, right? But if you go in, you're like, yeah, I think I want this and I didn't write it down. But yeah, you know, I'm working on this. Well, then you're going to come out with something or not possibly that doesn't match what you want. So that, so that's the thing. So if I'd written down those days, if I'd written down Indigo Girls, just to go back to them since they're a great band. Or maybe OMD. I'm totally dating myself, right? That was another favorite. Um, Boy George. Anything by Boy George, really. But instead, I would come out with all that random music if I didn't plan it. So in this phase for design, it's that. It's defining that list of things that you want to have done. And you're really answering in this phase, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? I really encourage you to dig deep on the why, especially if it's a big thing. And I know I said, don't go for big things. But when we talk in my podcasting class about the why, that really is the heart and soul of the mission of the thing that you're going to be building. Because... I mean, at least with a podcast, it's going to be something you want to talk about a lot and that probably informs a lot of your other content. So really defining the why, I even encourage podcast students to write out a mission statement, truly a mission statement of who does this serve and why am I doing it and what's what's the story I'm telling. So maybe that's another way for you to approach this when you get into that defining phase. How long? Set a timeline for yourself. Things that have an open-ended timeline with no launch date, it's really hard to nail. I'm going to write a book. (laughs) That's great. How long are you going to give yourself to write this book? I want to release a book in 2019. Maybe you put that down. How much are you going to spend on this thing? Truly, if it's something that's like an infrastructure for your business, I encourage you to set aside a budget. Now, maybe it's just that you you know you have some money and you don't know how much it's going to take. You might do a little bit more research. Don't do too much research, right? It's easy to get stuck in that hole and go really deep on something and spend way too much time looking into it. So maybe just earmark it now and you can research it later. Who, the who, this is similar to the why. Who is this thing for? I'm a project management and marketing. So I could really get into these personas and the avatars and like all that. I don't think you have to know that specifically, but who? Like generally who? My podcast, generally 
for women who, or anyone who's looking for joy in their life and wants to be inspired. So that's kind of it. And where will this thing live? Like, what's the format, the medium that it's going to take place? Like, is it a website? Is it a book? Is it a, you know, photography project? Is it a house? It could be any of these things. For following that waterfall methodology, I want you to write this down, let it sit for a couple days, and then you're going to lock it down, right? That's how these projects go. You're not going to second guess yourself. Your gut knows this stuff. Don't let your head get too involved. Your gut knows this stuff. And you just list it out. Once you've got your list, the next step, step two, design. Now, in a creative marketing department, which is what I'm in currently, this is the phase where we actually, you know, we have art directors and designers and they actually design this stuff. And it truly is a design phase. For you, this is the the phase where you're, um, you're kind of defining, not defining, because we already did that, but you're you're drawing out for yourself whatever this thing is. So if it's a book, you might draft out, you know, the out the outline of what your chapters are. If it's a, I don't know, a photography project, you might start going and taking the pictures, or do a photo board of like what you think you want this thing to be about. So this is your ideas on paper. This is a little bit more flesh around the general definition of things that you'd already gotten in the last phase. In this phase, if you have somebody else, so like let's say you're working within a company or if you're a consultant, you have a client, this is the phase where you start to do that legwork and explain to them what this thing will be in more depth or show them the actual pieces if it is that kind of a project and you want those stakeholders to sign off. This is another tip. (laughs) Whatever it is, you're going to lock this down for them as well because there's a lot of backpedaling that can happen at any point in a project And you want to make sure everybody's on board. So have your stakeholders sign off. In this phase, you could also do some research. But again, not too much on a need-to-know basis as to how far you might dig. Like if you're thinking, hey, I want to find a host for my podcast, then get in there, Google it, find the top three. Triple bidding is always the best way to go. Look at the prices, do a quick comparison, and then let your gut decide for you which one of these makes the most sense. Maybe think on it overnight, but then you're just going to make the decision. I don't encourage kind of the ruminating and then waffling and all that. Like we've all done it, but I think it's more because we don't have the faith that we're going to make the right decision. And we're so fearful that we're going to make the wrong decision that we don't make any decision. So make the decisions. Another thing that you would do in the design phase is ask yourself, do I need to hire someone? I think Tim Ferriss talks a lot about how it is cheaper sometimes to level up your knowledge on something to either hire someone who is a consultant to help you through the process of something that maybe you haven't been through this before. Uh, I actually have a client right now who I work with and we're redoing her website and she's working on a podcast and like all this stuff. And so I'm working as a consultant for her to kind of fast track the way that this is that we're doing this because project management isn't a skill set that she has. That's something to weigh in, in. You know, you might want to hire a designer. You might want to hire a musician. You might want to hire the experts instead of you becoming an expert. Or you might also want to hire someone to help you with the project management of it, which is, you know, something I do, definitely something you could find other people that do as well. This level of research, though, is that kind of need to know level of research. And I want you to resist the urge to dig deeper. Uh, do make sure that you kind of know costs before you and have triple bidded stuff before you, you know, sign a contract or bring somebody on board to do stuff. Look at their work for goodness sake. 
There's a lot of designers that are out there and have amazing portfolios. If you don't see something in their portfolio that looks like what you want them to do, make sure you ask and ask them to send over samples. Same would go for anybody you're going to hire. Make sure you do the due diligence. You don't want to be after the fact going, oh my gosh, I wish I had known like they've never done email templates before. Ask. (laughs) Then once you have the design and you're good with it, sign it off, and you're locking that sucker down again because we're going to go into this third step, which is development. And this is the phase where you're actually developing or building the thing. Physically, if you are constructing a house or a building, this is, you know, the contractor's in, they're hammering, they're building. I don't do construction. This is the exciting build phase of HGTV. Chip Gaines is involved here. (laughs) Sorry, I can't help but love them. Or if it's like you're building a website, this is when your coder is in there and they're building the code. You might be doing this. If you're the writer or the photographer, you're actually doing the work. And this is the, this is the point that where it's really important to exercise some restraint. So let's use an example of good old Chip Gaines. If you don't know what I'm talking about, he's on Fixer Upper with Joanna Gaines on HGTV. Now they always have plans, right? They have the blueprint, and they're going to build a house. It's this size. Now, you know, if you watch the show, sometimes they decide, you know, it would be nice to, I think there was a group that was like having a baby while they were building, you know, they found out they're going to have a baby while the house is being built. And so they said, hey, what would it cost if we built on an extra room? Key thing here is that once you're underway in development, of course, it's going to cost more to add an extra bedroom in there. And that's the thing that I'm talking about. You want to exercise restraint. You've already locked all of these things down, you know, the size, the time, the, the, the costs, and you've locked it down in the beginning for a good reason. Again, remember, measure twice, cut once. Goes for construction, also goes, you know, metaphorically for other things. What happens when you get into that extra bedroom when it's not for a good reason and you're just saying, well, it needs to be bigger, I wish I'd done this? You don't really have any good justification. It's called, even when it is for a good reason, it's called scope creep. What that means is you're just adding on more scope and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's ballooning out. And so that is something to watch out for. It's often because either one, you didn't define the project way back very well. Two, maybe you did have a legitimate change. Like in this case, these people now know they're having a baby and they need an extra bedroom. Perfectly fine. In that be flexible. That's awesome. You found out new information. You knew you needed to change. If you can make it work in the budget, you do. But lots of times it's perfectionism. Oh my gosh, but I just saw this other thing and now I want it. And we get this all the time at work. Or, oh my gosh, I've seen, you know, moving images in an email and I wish I could have that. Well, okay, but then we're going to need more time to do that, right? So there's a trade-off in every decision, but just kind of of be aware of what scope creep can do and what happens when it when it crops when it crops up for you. Ah, now deep breath. We're to the last fourth phase, deploy. It's actually the shortest of all the phases and often the craziest, right? Because this is launch. This is go live. This is opening the house. This is releasing the book. This is launching the podcast. <laughs> And what I often see with all clients, whether it's corporate or individual, is this right here. As you kind of round the corner on deployment, you see developments wrapping up. 
You've recorded that first episode. You haven't released anything yet. And this is where people freak out because stuff's about to get really real. The thing that you've been working on is about to be released into the world. And that means people will hear it <laughs> or people will see it. And I have had more than one client at this phase be like, no, I can't put this on. Oh my gosh. Even my own podcast. I extended my deadline, you know, my launch date twice because I was so like, this is scary. I don't want to do this. What was I thinking? And I have a really favorite book. If you haven't read it, Stephen Pressfield, The The War of Art, which I always say backwards, but The War of Art is a great, as you can see, not a very long book, but about resistance and how it comes up in our lives. It really talks about what happens when you are resistant to finishing up something that you've started. You know, why is that so vulnerable and why is it so hard? And so that's a lot of time to dig deep. Go back to that why. Go back to what did your soul tell you that it wanted to do? You know, like this is the good stuff. We're about to go live um, with it. So get excited. The other thing that I like to remind my students of, especially in this podcast class, is They also sometimes get really nervous around the first interview because it means it's real, right? They're talking to a real person. They've they've hit record and they're going. There's only one first time. That's not meant to make you more concerned. It's like once you've done something for the first time, you don't ever have to do it for a first time again. Like you've ripped that Band-Aid off and the fear, you've looked it straight in the eye and now you know, I can do that. I can have a conversation with somebody and record it. You know, I can... Write a blog post if it's the first one and know that I can publish it. So take stock in that fact that there's only one first time for anything and just move forward. This is one of my favorite um, quotes from Meg Cabot, but like courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the decision that there is something more important than fear. So how do you dig deep and just say, okay, yeah, I feel that I'm scared, but this thing is more important than me being afraid. Okay, so let's go through the top 10 things that I have learned from being a project manager for 20 years. An MVP, minimum viable product, is always a great place to start. This is something Steve Jobs, there we go, has talked about. And so many developers, designers, I, you know, I live near Silicon Valley. This is the thing. You create the thing, the basic level thing minimum viable product and get it out there. And with that, you can fail fast. Um, you can learn what's not working and you can move on and grow from that. So I think while lots of people, especially entrepreneurs, get super excited about making something big, Martha Stewart size, make it middle, right? Even the first iPhone, what a stinker, right? Like what, you couldn't even put pictures in text? Now we do it all the time. But they started somewhere and then they learned what the user base wanted and like moved into that. So that's one. And MVP is always a great place to start. Number two, it doesn't have to be unique to be impressive. I think things done in a slightly different way, even if they are, you know, we all use Instagram. Find a new way to do your Instagram. It doesn't have to be unique. Everybody's using it. But find a slightly different way. You don't have to have it be totally new and totally different off the charts for it to make an impact. And number three, right size your effort. This means your time to take to do something. If it takes a really long time, is it worth it? Ask yourself that question. Also, is this 
thing, the thing that your audience even wants? Like right size it for them. Is it in a medium that they can access? I remember one of my uh, podcast students was asking, should I launch a podcast that's aimed at senior citizens? Great question to ask up front. Turns out it's one of the biggest growing demographics of people listening because it's a lot like radio and they loved their radio shows back in the day. And so it's a great way. So right size your effort. Number four, perfectionism is sneaky and it can derail the best laid plans, right? Like it kind of sneaks in. It's like this. It's one of the ways that actually it just really can delay your plan, your whole plan. And then it's another way that resistance sneaks in as perfectionism, just another mask for it. As you move along, number five, remember your why. What's the reason you're doing this project? Who is it for? I want you to picture that person or that thing or whatever it is that drew you into this. And I want you to stay true to that because somewhere along the way, you're going to want to add stuff. I want you to ask, does that person need that thing? No. Did they need it for the MVP? Minimum viable, pro- minimum viable product. No. Cut it. Don't do it. Number six, true to being <laughs> the one that runs, jumpstart your joy, leave room for wonder and delight, right? If something amazing comes out of the blue, I know I've said, watch out for scope creep. But if it comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh my gosh, that is so amazing and so great. I cannot help but include it. See if you can include it. Also be open to those things that happen in a project that like where you're, you find like maybe you loved some aspect of something that you thought maybe you wouldn't. Like be open, be open. Number seven, take a break. Build the brakes in because you're going to get tired. It's a long haul. You're probably going with this thing for a while. Take a break. You don't have to be doing this at 2 a.m. Number eight, let the experts do their thing and be okay with not being the SME, the subject matter expert on something. One of the things I know is true about being an entrepreneur is we're good at being leaders, right? And we want everything to be just so. But if you've hired a designer, if you have hired a writer or a musician, let them own, like let them in, give them all of your information about the project that you're asking them to help on and then let them put their mark on it. Let's let's have faith and trust that if we've hired someone, they're the right person for the job, they're going to do it well, and that we needed them for the role that they're in. We're not going to do it better. I'm So let it be. <laughs> um, number nine, ask for and receive help when you need it tough things when you're the lady in charge and you don't want to let down your guard, but I encourage you to do it. And the last thing is the only way or the best way that each of us learns is by failing. (laughs) This is a big project management learning lesson for me. And kind of question, how can you see failing as an opportunity to learn more, to grow more, and to take those lessons that you've learned and try again or improve upon it. And, and I think that one's the one that breaks us open and we don't want to go there. And that's probably what the, we're most scared of when we embark on something new, but it's going to happen. And like, just maybe expect and accept that it will and and then know that you'll grow from it. So uh, that is the project management mindset. 
and I hope that you enjoyed this. I love doing these solo casts, and so I would love to hear from you if there's something about this that you that kind of resonated with you, or if you are looking for a project manager to help you with your solo business or your small business. It's, uh, it is the thing that I love doing, and um, it is so much fun to get to work as kind of a coach and consultant with people who are bringing something new into their business and could use the help. So if you would email me at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com, I would love to hear from you. And you can also reach out via my website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash project is the short way to get there. And again, if you like what you hear or and you want to subscribe to the show, yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and anywhere podcasts are found. And maybe the other thing that comes up is if you know of someone who's embarking on a project and you think this might help them out, um, would you share this episode with a friend? that maybe is a small business person and they are just embarking on something, you think there might be some wisdom in here for them to hear about. Um, Next week on the show, I am so excited to have Andrea Owen of Your Kick-Ass Life. She is back and um, (laughs) frankly, it is one of the funniest conversations I think I've ever recorded on the show. Uh, we talk about bodysuits and blazers, <laughs> about Rick Schroeder and silver spoons, and we also talk about how people who are funny and love to laugh and connect through humor can also have a really serious side and be a coach with a very serious calling and who can go deep and help people. It's really an interesting topic, and I hope you'll come back and and join in that conversation with Andrea and I. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.